Chapter Six of the Precipice. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Precipice by Elia Wilkinson Peaty. Chapter Six. We're to have a new member in the family, Kate. Honora said one morning as she and Kate made their way together to the caravansary. It's my cousin Mary Morrison. She's a Californian and very charming. I understand. She's to attend university. I don't quite know as to that, admitted Honora, frowning slightly. Her father and mother have been dead for several years, and she has been living with her brother in Santa Barbara, but he is to go to the Philippines on some legal work, and he's taking his family with him. Mary begs to stay here with me during his absence. Is she the sort of a person who will need a chaperone? Because I don't seem to see you in that capacity, Honora. No, I don't know that I should care to sit against the wall, smiling complacently, while other people were up and doing. I've always felt I wouldn't mind being a chaperone if they'd let me set up some sort of a workshop in the ballroom, or even if I could take my mending or a book to read. But slow, long hours of vacuous smiling certainly would wear me out. However, I don't imagine that Mary will call upon me for any such service. But if your cousin isn't going to college and doesn't intend to go into society, how will she amuse herself? I haven't an idea, not an idea. But I couldn't say no to her, could I? I've so few people belonging to me in this world that I can't, for merely selfish reasons, bear to turn one of my blood away. Mary's mother and my mother were sisters, and I think we should be fond of each other. Of course, she is younger than I, but that is immaterial. And David, does he like the idea? She may be rather a fixture, mayn't she? Haven't you to think about that? Oh, David probably won't notice her particularly. People come and go, and it's all the same to him. He sees only his great problems. Honora choked a sigh. Who wants him to do anything else? defended Kate quickly. Not you, surely. Why, you're so proud of him that you're positively offensive and to think that you are working beside him every day and helping him. You know it's all just the way you would have it, Honora. Yes, it is, Honora agreed contritely, and you should see him in the laboratory when we two are alone there, Kate. He's a changed man. It almost seems as if he grew in stature. When he bends over those tanks where he's making his great experiments, all my scientific training fails to keep me from seeing him as one with supernatural powers. And that wonderful idea of his, the finding out of the secret of life, the prying into the last hidden place of nature, almost overwhelms me. I can work at it with a matter-of-fact countenance, but when we begin to approach the results, I almost shudder away from it. But you must never let David know I said so. That's only my foolish, feminine, reverent mind. All the trained and scientific part of me repudiates such nonsense. They turned in at the door of the caravansary. I don't want to see you repudiating any part of yourself, cried Kate with sudden ardor. It's so sweet of you, Honora, to be a mere woman in spite of all your learning and your power. Honora stopped and grasped Kate's wrist in her strong hand. But am I that? she queried, searching her friend's face with her intense gaze. You see, I've tried, I've tried, she choked on the words. I've tried not to be a woman, she declared, drawing her breath sharply between her teeth, 
it's a strange strange story kate i don't understand at all kate declared i've tried not to be a woman because david is so completely and triumphantly a man still i don't understand no i suppose not it's a hidden history sometimes i can't believe it myself but let me ask you am i the woman you thought i would be kate smiled slowly as her vision of honora as she first saw her came back to her how soft and rosy you were she cried i believe i actually began my acquaintance with you by hugging you at any rate i wanted to no no i never should have thought of you in a scientific career wearing mosier gowns and having curtainless windows never honora stood a moment there in the dim hall thinking in her eyes brooded a curiously patient light do you remember all the trumpery i used to have on my toilet table she demanded i sent it to mary morrison they say she looks like me she put her hand on the dining-room door and they entered the others were there before them they were growing primroses on the table and the sunlight streamed in at the window a fire crackled on the hearth and mrs dennison in her old-fashioned widow's cap sat smiling at the head of the table kate knew it was not really home but she had to admit that these busy undomestic moderns had found a good substitute for it or at least that taking their domesticity through the mediumship of mrs dennison they contrived to absorb enough of it to keep them going but no it was not really home kate could not feel that she personally ever had been home she thought of that song of songs the wanderer where art thou where art thou o home so dear she was thinking of this still as her salutation over she seated herself in the chair dr von schreerbrand placed for her busy thinking this morning miss barrington mrs dennison asked gently that tells me you're meaning to do some good thing to-day i can't say how splendid you social workers seem to us common folks oh my dear mrs dennison kate protested you and your kind are the true social workers if only women all women understood how to make true homes there wouldn't be any need for people like us we're only well-intentioned fools who go around putting plasters over the sores we don't even reach down as far as the disease though i suppose we think we do when we get a lot of statistics together but the men and women who go about their business doing their work well all the time are the preventers of social trouble isn't that so dr von schreerbrand the amiable german readjusted his glasses upon his handsome nose and began to talk about the second part of faust the provocation though slight had seemed to him sufficient my husband has already eaten and gone observed honora with some chagrin can't you use your influence mrs dennison to make him spend a proper amount of time at the table oh he doesn't need to eat except once in a great while he has the way of genius mrs fulham geniuses like to eat at odd times and my own feeling is that they should be allowed to do as they please it is very bad for geniuses to make them follow a set plan said mrs dennison earnestly that woman observed dr von schreerbrand under his breath to kate has the true feminine wisdom she should have been the wife of a great man it was such qualities which goethe meant to indicate in his marguerite honora who had overheard lifted her pensive gray eyes and interchanged a look with dr von schreerbrand 
each seemed to be upon the verge of some remark well said kate briskly if you want to speak why don't you are your thoughts too deep for words von schreerbrand achieved a laugh but honora was silent she seemed to want to say that there was more than one variety of feminine wisdom while von schreerbrand kate felt quite sure would have maintained that there was but one the instinctive sort which marguerite knew the day that mary morrison was to arrive conflicted with the visit of a very great frenchman to professor fulham's laboratory i really don't see how i'm to meet the child kate honora said anxiously to her friend do you think you could manage to get down to the station kate could and did go the girl like herself was very much on her own resources she imagined she was coming as kate had come only the other day to a new and forbidding city and kate's heart warmed to her it seemed rather a tragedy at best to leave the bland californian skies and to readjust life amid the iron compulsion of chicago kate pictured her as a little thing depressed weary with her long journey and already homesick the reality was therefore somewhat of a surprise as kate stood waiting by the iron gate watching the outflowing stream of people with anxious eyes she saw a little furor centered about the person of an opulent young woman who had it appeared many elaborate farewells to make to her fellow-passengers two porters accompanied her carrying her smart bags and even with so much assistance she was draped with extra garments which hung from her arms in varying and seductive shades of green she herself was in green of a subtle olive shade and her plumes and boa her chains and chatelaine her handbags and camera marked her as the traveller triumphant and expectant like an arabian princess born across the desert to the home of her future lord she came panoplied with splendour the consciousness of being a personage by the mere right conferred by legal womanhood in flower emanated from her and the world accepted her smilingly at her own estimate she wished to play at being queen what more simple let her have her game on every hand she found those who were or who delightedly pretended to be her subjects once beyond the gateway this exuberant creature paused and now she said to a gentleman more assiduous than the rest who waited upon her and who was laden with her paraphernalia you must help me to identify my cousin that will be easy enough too for they say we resemble each other that gave kate her cue she went forward with outstretched hand i am your cousin's emissary miss morrison she said i am kate barrington and i came to greet you because your cousin was unable to get here and is very very sorry about it miss morrison revealed two deep dimples when she smiled and held out so much of a hand as she could disengage from her draperies she presented her fellow traveller she sent a porter for a taxi all was exhilaratingly in commotion about her and kate found herself apportioning the camera and some of the other things to herself they had quite a royal setting forth every one helped who could find any excuse for doing so others looked on miss morrison nodded and smiled the chauffeur wheeled his machine splendidly making dramatic gestures which had the effect of causing commerce to pause till the princess was under way be sure warned miss morrison to drive through the pleasantest streets 
Then she turned to Kate with a deliciously reproachful expression on her face. Why didn't you order blue skies for me? she demanded. Kate never forgot the expression on Miss Morrison's face when she was ushered into Honora's sanitary drawing-room, as Dr. von Schreerbrand had dubbed it. True, the towers of Harper Memorial Library showed across the plaisance through the undraped windows, mitigating the gravity of the outlook, and the innumerable lights of the midway already began to render less austere the January twilight. But the brown walls, the brown rug, the mission furniture in weathered oak, the corner clock, an excellent timepiece, the fireplace with its bronze vases, the etchings of foreign architecture, and the bookcase with Ruskin, Elliot, Dickens, and all the mid-Victorian celebrities in sets, produced but a grave and unillumined interior. Oh, cried Miss Morrison, with ill-concealed dismay, and then, after a silence, but where do you sit when you're sociable? Here, said Kate. She wasn't going to apologize for Honora to a pair of exclamatory dimples. But you can't be intimate here, Miss Morrison inquired. We're not intimate, flashed Kate. We're too busy, and we respect each other too much. Miss Morrison sank into a chair and revealed the tint of her lettuce-green petticoat beneath her olive-green frock. I'm making you cross with me, she said regretfully. Please don't dislike me at the outset. You see, out in California, we're not so up and down as you are here. If you were used to spending your days in the shade of yellow walls with your choice of hammocks, and with nothing to do but feed the parrot and play the piano, why, I guess you'd... She broke off and stared about her. Why, there isn't any piano, she cried. Do you mean Honora has no piano? What would be the use? She doesn't play. I must order one in the morning, then. Honora wouldn't care, would she? Oh, when do you suppose she'll be home? Does she like to stay over in that queer place you told me of, fussing around with those frogs? Kate had been rash enough to endeavor to explain something of the Fulham's theories regarding the mechanistic conception of life. There was nothing to do but accord Miss Morrison the laugh which she appeared to think was coming to her. I can see that I shouldn't have told you about anything like that, Kate said. I see how mussy you would think all scientific experiment to be, and really matters of great importance engage your attention. She was quite serious. She had swiftly made up her mind that Mary Morrison, with her conscious seductions, was a much more important factor in the race than austere Honora Fulham. But Miss Morrison was suspicious of satire. Oh, I think science important, she protested. No, you don't, declared Kate. You only wish you did. Come, we'll go to your room. It was the rear room on the second floor, and it presented a stern parallelogram occupied by the bare necessaries of a sleeping apartment. The walls and rug were gray, the furniture of mahogany. Mary Morrison looked at it a moment with a slow smile. Then she tossed her green coat and her hat with its sweeping veil upon the bed. She flung her camera and her magazines upon the table. She opened her traveling bag and, with hands that almost quivered with impatience, placed upon the toilet table the silver implements that Honora had sent her and scattered broadcast among them her necklaces and bracelets. "'I'll have some flowering plants tomorrow,' she told Kate, 
and when my trunks and boxes come i'll make the wilderness blossom like a rose how have you decorated your room i haven't much money said kate bluntly but i've well i've ventured on my own interpretations of what a bed sitting-room should be miss morrison threw her a bright glance i'll warrant you have she said i should think you'd contrive a very original sort of a place thank you so much for looking after me i brought along a gown for dinner naturally i didn't want to make a dull impression at the outset haven't i heard that you dine out at some sort of a place where geniuses congregate years afterward kate used to think about the moment that honora and her cousin met honora had come home breathless from the laboratory it had been a stirring afternoon to her she had heard words of significant appreciation spoken to david by the men whom out of all the world she would have chosen to have praise him she looked at miss morrison who had come trailing down in a cerise evening gown as if she were a bright creature of another species somewhat kate could not help whimsically thinking as a philosophic beaver might have looked at a bird of paradise then honora had kissed her cousin dear blue-eyed mary she had cried welcome to a dull and busy home how good of you to take me in sighed miss morrison i hate to bother you honora but i thought you might keep me out of mischief have you been getting into mischief honora asked still laughing not quite answered her cousin blushing bewitchingly but i'm always on the verge of it it's the california climate i think so exuberant cried honora that's it agreed blue-eyed mary i thought you'd understand here i'm sure you're all busy and good some of us are agreed honora there's my kate for example she's one of the most useful persons in town and she's just as interesting as she is useful miss morrison turned her smiling regard on kate but honora she's been quite abrupt with me she doesn't approve of me i suppose she discovered that at once i wasn't useful i didn't protested kate i think decorative things are of the utmost use there cried miss morrison you can see for yourself that she doesn't like me nonsense said kate quite irritated i shall like you if honora does let me help you dress honora dear are you tired or happy that your cheeks are so flushed i'm both tired and happy kate excuse me mary won't you if david comes in you'll know him by instinct believe me you are very welcome up in honora's bedroom kate asked as she helped her friend into the tidy neutral silk she wore to dinner is the blue-eyed one going to be a drain on you girl you oughtn't to carry any more burdens are you disturbed is she more of a proposition than you counted on honora turned her kind but troubled eyes on kate i can't explain she said in so low a voice that kate could hardly catch the words she's like me isn't she i seem to see what ghosts bright ghosts never mind you're not thinking that you are old are you cried kate because that's absurd you're wonderful wonderful laughter arose to them the mingled voices of david fulham and his new-found cousin by marriage good cried honora with evident relief they seem to be taking to each other i didn't know how david would like her 
He liked her very well, it transpired, and when the introductions had been made at the caravansary, it appeared that everyone was delighted with her. If their reception of her differed from that they had given to Kate, it was nevertheless kindly, almost gay. They leaped to the conclusion that Miss Morrison was designed to enliven them, and so it proved. She threw even the blithe Marna Carton temporarily into the shade and Dr. von Schwerbrand, who was accustomed to talking with Kate upon such matters as the national trait of incompetence or the reprehensible modern tendency of coddling the unfit, turned his attention to Miss Morrison and to lighter subjects. Two days later a piano stood in Honora's drawing-room, and Miss Morrison sat before it in what may be termed occult draperies, making lovely music. Technically, perhaps, the music left something to be desired. Mrs. Barcelo and Marna Carton thought so at any rate. But the habitués of Mrs. Dennison's near home soon fell into the way of trailing over to the Fulhams in Mary Morrison's wake, and as they grouped themselves about on the ugly mission furniture, in a soft light produced by many candles and an atmosphere drugged with highly scented flowers they fell under the spell of many woven melodies when mary morrison's tapering fingers touched the keys they brought forth a liquid and caressing sound like falling water in a fountain and when she leaned over them as if to solicit them to yield their kind responses her attitude her subtle garments the swift interrogative turns of her head brought visions to those who watched and listened kate dreamed of italian gardens the gardens she never had seen von schwerbrand thought of dark german forests honora of a moonlit glade these three confessed so much the others did not tell their visions but obviously they had them blue-eyed mary was one of those women who inspire others she was the quintessence of femininity and she distilled upon the air something delicately intoxicating like the odor of lotus blossoms it was significant that the fulhams was no longer a house of suburban habits ten o'clock and lights out had ceased to be the rule after music there frequently was a little supper and every one was pressed into service in the preparation of it something a trifle fagged and hectic began to show in the faces of mrs dennison's family and that good woman ventured to offer some reproof you all are hard workers she said and you ought to be hard resters too you're not acting sensibly and one would think you were the idle rich well we're entitled to all the pleasure we can get mary morrison had retorted there are people who think that pleasure isn't for them but i am just the other way i take it for granted that pleasure is my right i always take everything in the way of happiness that i can get my hands on you mean of course my dear child said the gentle mrs goodrich all that you can get which does not belong to someone else blue-eyed mary laughed throatily fortunately she said there's pleasure enough to go around it's like air everyone can breathe it in End of chapter 6